Well, my friends, we've come to the end of our series, and this is the last podcast of the year. This is Red Brad, and you're listening to the From the Touchline podcast. I sincerely hope and pray that this Christmas season is a special one for you and for your family and friends. Today, we wrap up our last Advent Antiphon and this series that we've been in. Now, you might be saying, but Rev Brad, Advent is over. Christmas is here. And you are right, my friend. However, as a reminder to each of us that we are still waiting, Jesus has not yet returned. Emmanuel has not made his third and final coming. Now, the last six weeks, we've talked about these antiphons. They are something that the church has been saying and singing since the 8th century. Today, we hear the final one, and perhaps the most famous, and certainly my favorite, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Within the words of this verse, there's a sense of deep longing and eager anticipation. As I've been doing in a moment, I'll share a short reflection, and then the antiphon will be read and then sung. I invite you to sing along. Let these simple words penetrate deep to the core of your being. Let them be your heart's cry for a season of waiting that goes beyond just a certain time of the year. This is our lifelong yearning, our lifelong waiting. Let us say and sing together, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christmas greetings and Christmas blessings to you, to your family, to your friends. Here we are, our seventh and last Advent antiphon, and it's one of my favorites. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. The last few weeks, we've gone through these many titles, most all of them coming out of the Old Testament. And each title is another name for the Messiah, for the Savior. And now we come to this one, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, it's a title used by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah there is speaking with King Ahaz, and he's speaking God's word to to him to help him to try to stay calm and not be afraid in the midst of a trying time. There were a number of enemies rising up against Ahaz in the kingdom, plotting to invade and destroy it. But God, through Isaiah, tells him, don't be afraid. It's not going to happen. God, even in this moment, invites Ahaz to ask him for a sign that this word will be true. But Ahaz refuses and he says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. We read later that Isaiah gets frustrated with this. There's an open invitation for the king to have his faith strengthened. He's being invited by God himself to ask for a sign, but he passes on the opportunity. Now, I don't know what's going on here with Ahaz. Maybe he thinks he's being noble by not testing God. 
Maybe he's depressed by the news of what's going on around him and what may occur, and maybe he's just got his head down and, and can't seem to be happy about anything. Or maybe as a new king, he's worried about keeping political favor with the people and he's just feeling maybe over his head. Or maybe, and this is where most commentators land, the real issue is his heart. We see in Ahaz, he keeps God and God's prophet Isaiah at a distance. He reacts to God's invitation the way that many will later react to Jesus. Well, God's going to give Ahaz a sign anyway. After warning Ahaz that he's in danger of wearing out God's patience, Isaiah tells him, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah goes on to describe that this son, this boy, this Emmanuel will grow up. And before he reaches a certain age, the lands of these two opposing kings will essentially lay in wet, in waste and the people will rejoice. Isaiah is saying, hey, look, you know, you might be afraid by the circumstances and what's going on around you, but I can tell you that within this amount of time, by the time that this boy is of age, this Emmanuel, they won't be a threat any longer. You know, sometimes we can see all the movement going on around us and we can be paralyzed with fear. Sometimes when we see those things, we see forces against us. We see people uh, taking their, their threats and, and acting out on them. We can stop believing God and his word. We can get caught up staring at the waves that threaten to drown us rather than moving forward towards safety or holding and clinging on to the thing that we know is true and safe and secure. But that's where I think that this name has particular significance for us because the name means God with us. It is by this name, Emmanuel, that we come to know and see Jesus. You see, God doesn't just stay in heaven on some throne removed from our world, removed from our pain and suffering. God enters in. In the person of Jesus, he moves into the neighborhood. He walks among us. He, he lives life. He, he struggles with the same things we struggle with, with, with things like pain and hurt and poverty and other kinds of things. And so John details these things about Jesus in the opening lines of his gospel, chapter one. And, and what's interesting is even within John chapter one, he writes about the two ways that people kind of receive this God with us. One way is a wholehearted embrace. <laughs> Welcome. You are the one. We're excited you're here. We believe. But the other way that people react to is there's this fearful rejection. Like Ahaz, we, we keep God at a distance and we go, well, that's not for me. We, we might even use some good religious excuses to believe, to not believe God, to, to not receive him. We might say, hey, no, 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 I've, I don't want to test God. I don't want to be put in that category. Um, religion, uh, look at all the wars religion has caused throughout, throughout time, throughout the world. Look at all the pain that uh, faith has caused. And we, we put up these excuses. John 
John puts it this way in the gospel. He, he says, he, Jesus, the word came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. My friends, the Son of God has appeared. His name is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and he's come to ransom those in captivity, the Jew first and then the rest of humanity. Again, John writing, he gives us a glimpse that this prophetic word, what it's going to look like at the end. And I think this is one of the most beautiful pictures of what heaven is about. It's, it's not about uh, clouds and angels strumming some instrument and all these false ideas that we have about heaven. Here is what John writes. And he writes in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses three through five. He writes this about God being with his people. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. My friends, in the final analysis, God will dwell with us. He will be with his people. What went wrong in the garden eons ago will finally be made right. The old things are going to be gone and pass away. The new things will come. Emmanuel will come to us God will dwell with us. Emmanuel will come to us, will come to ransom and rescue captive Israel. Oh, Emmanuel, you are our king and judge, the one whom the peoples await and their savior. Oh, come and save us, Lord our God. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Mm -hmm.